friends, I'm Tori. Welcome to Walk With Me. Walk With Me is a place where real women share real stories of real struggles and joys as they walk together along this rocky road we call life. Today on the podcast, we have Molly Lapine. Now, we are outside on my porch, so we may have a few interruptions and the wind and the birds. And so, with three little people um, helping us. So, tell us a little bit about yourself or your family, your hobbies, really anything you think we want to know. Okay, well, I'm married to Matt Lapine, who you obviously know, who you work with. Yep. Yep, Matt Lapine, and we have three little girls Bella, who's nine almost nine, Eden, who's six, and Libby, who just turned four. So it is... Um, and they're here with us today. They're here with us yep. today, yep. Yep, they're uh, exploring outside right now, hopefully, while we visit. Um, I chuckled when Matt and I were newly married. He used to say, well, what are your hobbies? And I I kind of joked with him, well, my hobby's people, you yeah. know, and then I'm now yeah. I'm a mother, and it's still people, and right. I have friends, and it's still people. So I feel like my hobbies kind of revolve around what I'm doing in the moment. Yeah, people's um, a good hobby. People's a good hobby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I do love to read for fun and um, to stretch myself. Mm-hmm. I love to be outside, although I do have to say I'm a fairly a fair weather fan. Uh, and it's a beautiful day. <laughs> it is today. a beautiful day, yeah. yep. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of... We've been in Iowa for um, almost three years now. All right, and you, but yeah. you grew up in Iowa. Yep, grew up in Iowa. Yep. Yep, farmland, and it's it's actually really refreshing and good to be back, so yeah. I'm enjoying good. it. Yep. I was great. Yep. yep. Um, okay, so when, when we started meeting together, probably last fall, you mentioned to me that you had struggled with OCD, obsessive-compulsive disorder. Mm-hmm. Is that the OCD? Yep. Um, and so we um, haven't really talked about that a whole bunch, mm-hmm. but you've alluded to it several times, and, um, you know, tell us... Tell us that's what our podcast is about today. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit, you know, uh, more about your struggle with OCD. I've heard bits and pieces, um, how it maybe affected your your early life, um, maybe your marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, but why don't you fill us in first about what is OCD? Okay. Well, um, OCD, first of all, I'm going to give you um, a definition and kind of some, a little more tidbits of kind of what it can, how it can manifest itself okay. for different people. Okay. Um, so I'm going to read a definition here. OCD um, is an, a mental and emotional disorder, and it typically involves both obsessions and compulsions. An obsession is a recurring thought or an urge that's intrusive and an unwanted thought that brings distressing anxiety. Okay. Um, for a lot of people, there's actually usual, usual suspects for these obsessions and um, anywhere from involving contamination by disease, germs, or chemicals, um, fear of harming oneself or others, unwanted sexual thoughts, very often perverse things, that, including images of things that you don't want to think about, hmm. um, losing control or acting impulsively in shameful ways, perfectionism, um, and another one is what psychologists call, call scrupulosity, which is anxieties over suffering, combination, or censure from God. So it can also be hmm. attach itself to religious things. Huh. Um, and a lot of people can suffer from many or any of these obsessions. But So is it something that you went to a doctor and you were, like, diagnosed with? No, um, okay. but people can be. Um, okay. Hi. Uh, <laughs> <Hey>. Hi, Eden. <laughs> yes, so people can be diagnosed. I actually never was. Okay. Um, 
uh, at the time... How did you identify that? Um, you know what, that's a good question. I'm trying to even think. Um, I, th I think it actually was a terminology that my now husband at the time was a boyfriend. Um, we were dating. He'd, he'd used that term, but... Um, oh, he recognized it? He recognized it, and I, I had already known because of the specific behaviors that I was doing. Huh. Um, so you had identified... I, I had identified it. I don't remember the first time I knew I was having OCD. Okay. Um, I do remember, um, so we grew up in a very conservative background, very conservative home. Okay. And so there wasn't really options for going to see people right. for things like that. Uh -huh. um, uh, so How did you know about it? Like, would your kids know? My kids wouldn't know. Like, when did you, like, figure out these were behaviors, like OCD behaviors? <sighs> you know, that's a really good question. I, As a child, though? Yeah, I don't remember it dying on me like, oh, I have OCD. Uh -huh. I just always knew that there was something wrong with me. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. You were just different. I was different, yep. Huh. Um, and I, I think my mom didn't know what to do. There was one point that she had taken me one time to a Christian, I don't know if they even call them psychologists or psychiatrists or whatever. Um, like a counselor? I yeah, I remember doing a bubble test and having one conversation with him. Oh. I don't remember it being like a... Oh, well, that was a great experience. Right, right. I think it was more for my mom, like, what am I supposed to do about this? Huh. Um, yeah, so. Okay. So that's what OCD is. So you is. kind of self-identified. Self-identified um, and knew that I wasn't behaving the way that other people did. Huh. And so. how did that look? Um, it was just, it was a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of, so the compulsive, compulsive part for me, um, so mine was, the fear of harming someone else. Yeah. Um, I was, Did you have that from the, for as long for as, as, long as I can remember? I, I, for me, OCD. So OCD can come sometimes be on its own, or sometimes it can come out of some sort of trauma or um, stress or anxiety over a long period of time. Can sometimes um, you can be so stressed or so anxious uh -huh. that you um, seek control. And so obsessive compulsive behavior gives you some, it gives you some form of doing something that makes you feel controlled in the moment, but it's never satisfying because you have to do it over and over and over again. So you say you, you, you were scared of hurting someone. Hurting someone or messing up. Um, it was kind of a perfectionism too. Okay. Um, like we, what would be a fear? So, so I, we did a paper out as a child and I, it's, it's like going through a scenario and taking it so far down the road that you can blow it up to a crisis. So, for instance, we did a paper out, um, and I would go back and check that I had shut the doors at the houses because uh -huh. if I didn't, the door might slam, the window might break, it might cost them $800, I'll have to fix it, and what if they're, you know, in a bad place? You know, just irrational thoughts. Right, right. And for me, I was already anxious and already fearful, and so... I did your siblings like say, sorry, we have a dog trying to interfere here. Um, did your siblings say like, Molly, stop? Yeah. Oh yeah. And my mom and, and I would, yeah, it, it, it was no, there was no rational sense that would fix it. Huh. So I could even talk to people about it and they could be like, well, it's okay because I'm like, well, how do you know that? And how do you, huh. it's one of those things that has no, um, yeah, rational thought wouldn't just cure it. And it started out first as me just being very anxious. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of get to the point where, why I feel like I struggled with it. Um, Did so, your other uh, So this kind of all stemmed out, I believe, from my parents got 
My mom became a Christian when I was about four. And maybe I'll just so, go right into my story. Yeah, did okay. your, like, did your siblings? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so. Your mom, you talked about so, your mom yep, my, becoming a Christian. My mom came believer. Um, they were not Christians when they got married. Um, I think that kind of started all. My dad and mom were separated and then legally, legally divorced by the time I was six. Okay. Um, and my mom is a very loving, caring mother, but she is one of those types of people that doesn't do well on her own. Huh. Um, and it was, and had we had five. Had I, there's five of us, and wow. my youngest sister was two at the time. Oh, wow. And so, um, yeah, they split, and she was basically a single mom. She's was very new believer, very anxious. It was a very anxious home. And at the time when that happened, my sister, one of my oldest sisters, had to be sent away to Iowa City because she was starving herself to death. Oh, my. She had to be sent to the hospital. So um, do you think the divorce kind of set some I, of these behaviors I in I do, motion? yes. Okay. I do believe that. Um, and shortly after that, the pastor that led her to the Lord left, and we had a new pastor come in. Um, and I think it was twofold. We we were in a home with a single mom who really needed support emotionally, yeah. physically. Um, we also were part of a very legalistic, controlling church as well. Huh. So I just feel like a lot of things in my life are wrapped up with fear. My salvation, my huh. eternal security, the safety. Um, there's so just it was a, kind of your way of controlling it was, things. Yeah, it was my way of coping and controlling. Huh. So, huh. yeah. So then I, so I also had a younger brother who struggled with OCD. Um, so you all did your own little thing to yeah, kind of help control your environment To control a, an environment that didn't necessarily make sense to us or we didn't know how to control. Yeah. Right. So it's almost like you guys found your own way to kind of control yeah, and, in your and own little childish ways. Yeah, and for kids, those safety nets are supposed to be there. You're supposed to be able to mm. grow and develop mm. mature within um, safety boundaries and confines mm. of that. And it's not that we didn't... My mom was a very attentive mom. She um, was very caring, loving. In some ways, too, I almost feel like the spiritual aspect of it that was supposed to be... Um, your faith that was supposed to carry you and be and be the support that, you know, if you couldn't make sense of your world, well, you're a child of God, you're saved by grace. Um, that was even tainted a little bit by that legalism huh. that we were raised in. The, almost like a performance Almost like a performance, yeah. Huh. Um, I kind of now, as an adult, kind of joke, like we were so very Catholic huh. in the way that our church functioned, I feel like. Like you were saved by grace, but it was... I was always questioning, am I, am I good enough? Am I, are my motives right enough? Um, yeah, I just feel like even, even in my faith, I didn't feel like I was safe and huh. okay and I could ever relax in that. So it wasn't a safety net for you at all? No, it faith. wasn't, yeah. It was like one more stressor. Yeah, one more stressor, yeah. So, huh. and, and we'll get into that further about what, how we, how we dealt with it, um, how my husband's dissertation yeah, grew out so of that. Yeah, so let's use that as a segue. So Matt just recently, so Matt's your husband. Yep. Um, recently finished his dissertation uh, for his doctorate. So what was the subject of that, and how does it relate to what we've been talking about? Okay, so um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best because this, his dissertation is a 400-page um, academic yeah, book. Yeah, let's not cover the whole thing. That, is, that, that, that can be very complicated. But um, to unpack it, I'm going to go back to my story. Um, so I had victories here and there. Um, OCD wasn't always... Um, such 
there were times that were better that I, that I could grow and learn. I could kind of put that behind me and other times where something would trigger it. And so um, fast forward to high school, I'm doing pretty well. Um, I leave home to go to this Christian college in Iowa, uh-huh. um, meet this handsome young man named Matthew. Um, a year later, we started dating and everything was going great. And then um, after that year of dating, after freshman year, well, this would have been sophomore year, he went off for the summer on a traveling team, and I was gonna go, but I had ended up having a last-minute surgery on a vocal cord, and so I couldn't, huh. I couldn't sing and travel with oh, my team. Yeah. So I went back home to my small town, and worked for my dad, and went to the old church, um, but without any of my friends, any of my oh, like. Wow. So it was almost like going back to my old haunt, haunts. So you and felt like getting away was good for you. It, it yeah, getting away to, to yeah, college. Yes, getting away to Coming college out of that small town kind of a church. Step Coming back home was, yeah, and I didn't even foresee it because I was my own person. I was an adult now, um, and it, it, Matt was gone, my boyfriend, who we were, it was a very serious relationship, and he was, I could only talk to him Monday nights every oh, wow. week, yeah. and it just hit me full force. I wasn't even prepared. Um, like, how did that look? Um, it, uh, it, it started with, to be honest, it started with me going back. I was working for my dad. I was working with this these two people in this room all day and they were unbelievers and it was like I need a witness to these people oh wow their eternal security is on my it's it was, dependent on you it's dependent on me it's like going back into that whole legalism of um of my faith and I prayed about it and I wanted to you know almost to the fact like I had to make this work and I had to and me being uncomfortable and scared and not knowing what to say or not wanting to not wanting to say it because it was awkward and weird that uh-huh. was like shaming and maybe I'm not a so it, I remember. Did you have a relationship with them? I mean, did you? Um, I knew them. I had worked with them before, okay. but um, it wasn't even as if that, as if they were primed and ready and wanting. Right, right. But and I felt really guarded. I felt I'm with these people right. forty hours a week. Right. It's my job, and if huh. I don't, oh no, I'm like, oh yeah. no, and maybe I don't love God enough. You right, know, right, right. <laughs> so yeah, um, and I remember it like like kind of hitting me when I was doing my devotions one one day on our driveway out in the the evening Uh that feeling coming back and me pushing it out and it coming and coming and the more I tried to push out like no I'm not that person anymore I came and it hit me full force and it just it was a snowball the feeling of guilt the feeling it it was the guilt that started and then it would be, be this feeling of um that I was losing control over my emotions and over how I could um, it was like this other person I was I was falling back into, and it's almost huh. like I couldn't. So you felt compelled. It. I'm trying to get a kind of yeah. Angle. You felt compelled to share with these people mm-hmm. the gospel, mm-hmm. but yet it really wasn't what you were comfortable doing. It wasn't what I was comfortable but doing. But you felt like if you didn't do it, you might harm them. Yeah, and okay. then as I was okay. sitting and praying, like, "Lord, give me the strength." Um, uh, mental health and illnesses of that type sometimes it's even memories can kind of trigger okay um and so it triggered some memories for me and then it just kind of snowballed into that like oh I I feel this yucky feeling oh I feel like I'm losing control over the the emotional choices I'm making the choices of where I'm putting my thoughts the choices and it just the fear it's like the fear enveloped me and I I couldn't so what do you do I mean how had you gotten control how do you feel like um, you had to, to be honest, the times that, the years that were good, it was almost like I got, grew tired. I couldn't, I couldn't hold all the obsessions. I couldn't hold all the thoughts. And so 
after a while, I just kind of have to run with, I'd have to live with them in the back of my mind. And over time, they kind of like fall away. Um, but it wasn't like I had mastered it or I had figured right. out what was causing it or I had... You had a new like circumstance yeah, situation. So maybe it was yeah. a little easier to lay aside. Yeah. So it would ebb, ebb and flow. And I think okay. honestly, okay. Un- unless I truly got to the root of it, it uh-huh. would continue to plague me. Um, and it would look different at different stages. Yeah, so you couldn't just like scoot it aside and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. It yeah. was kind of a deeper. It kind of, yeah, it was deeper. deeper. And sometimes, yeah, and it would go away sometimes. So anyway, so the so reason I brought back, the reason I brought that up is because it came up back. Uh, my boyfriend at the time was gone all summer. We came back, and I'm like, I have to tell him. Because by the end of the summer, it had gotten really bad. Like, Had he known that you'd struggled with this before? Um, I, I think we had talked about it. It was so far in my past, even I kind of thought, oh, that's like, I'm done with that now. Huh, you thought you um, had a yeah, we had a pretty open you. relationship, um, okay. but it came back. I tried to explain to him one of the Monday night phone calls, and he totally didn't understand what I was saying. So we came back. He was SA present. He was just super busy, and finally I got him to like come away and like sit on a blanket with me at a park, and I, I had to sit him down and say, hey, you don't understand what's going on here. I, I, don't, I don't think we can do this. I don't think I can date you and marry you because... I, I can't function as a normal human being right now. I don't think you understand, like, how bad this is. And I just broke down in tears. Uh-huh. And I think at that moment, he really realized, like, wow, this is this is what she's saying. Now I understand it. I, I laid it out. I said, this is how it's looked in the past. This is where I'm at. And I don't know how to fix it. How did you tell him it was looking then? Like, what did you give him? Um, oh, gosh, I'm trying to think. I, I just remember there's a lot of crying, a lot of snot running. A lot did you of, tell him, like, I was sitting in the driveway, yeah. I had my quiet time? Yeah, yep, yep. And I, I had given him examples. I, he okay. had known I had struggled with um, certain faith things okay. and worry. He knew uh-huh. I was a big worrier. A worrier. Um, and, and so, and the thing that made it horrible is that, like, the biggest fear was how do I even know for sure that I, because if OCD is about, compulsions, okay. obsessions and compulsions to making sure things are the way they are. How can you make sure that faith, that you have faith? Because faith is something that is not seen. You know, right, it's something right. that, you know, and so that was, that was hard when I was the, in the deepest pit of it, it was, I couldn't even have eternal security. Satan so would attack that. how did respond to that? So when you're laying on this blanket crying. Yeah, yeah well, to be honest, that's, um, that's a very special part of our story because I remember him looking at me, and and nobody had done this for me. My mom really tried to love me and help me. She just didn't know what to do. But I remember this him looking at me and saying, "I don't care. I love you anyway, and we're gonna, and we're gonna walk through this." And I mean, I had given it all. I had made it look as bad as it could look. Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me. And that that for me, not having a father that lived at home with me and loved mm-hmm. me and pursued me, that for me um, was the first show of true love from another from a man that I had ever yeah. gotten before. And I, I knew, I never doubted that he was going to stick by me. Right. Because I had laid it all out. And, um, but that's yeah, powerful. That was powerful. And I think that was the first start. Um, we're going to get into other things, but like for, for counseling and stuff, it's that, that you have somebody who's there who's going to continue to show up yeah. at the next meeting or show up. You can count um, on them. You can count on them. Or um, that's why people who, who have success or growth in these areas they have a community that mm. is there and uh, is faithful to them, even though yeah. they're still walking through these things. And I think um, that key part of um, walking through mental health issues is really important, that you have huh. support. Someone you can count on. Someone you can count on, even if they can't fully understand and they can't fix you, they love you anyway. Right. 
Okay, so you, the, one of the keys to, you think, you know, kind of overcoming or being, you know, in control of this is knowing you could count on someone. And yeah. Matt was that yep. guy. Yep, Matt was that guy. Okay. And, and um, that's not the only piece of the puzzle. So this, that was a long segue into um, his dissertation. Mm-hmm. So we walked through this for several years. We ended up getting married. Um, there were a lot of things that we did. Um, and some of that can be for, for another time. But basically... Um, between having him as a support, yes. um, there is, because, because my OCD was also attached to what we called scrupulosity, yeah. the religious scrupulosity, right. um, there was a period where a scripture was not helpful for me. It was it actually, was like it condemned you? It, it condemned me because I wasn't reading, I wasn't reading the Bible the way that I, that was helpful. Uh-huh. I was bringing something to the Bible and I had, didn't have the ability to see it in a different way. Huh. Um, and actually there was one point, I wonder if I even had this in my notes, there was one point where Matt finally, he was like, this is not working when I'm telling her this is sin and and she needs to repent of it. I'm like, I'm trying. I don't, I hate this. I so loathe he, it. He's told the story. So he told yeah. you not to read your Bible? Yeah. So he, yeah. So he, he tried to come at it with me that this is sin, you need to repent. Fear is sin, all this stuff. And it was... The way you were thinking The way sin. I was thinking and fear. Okay. And I was like, I, well, I don't like it. I don't want it. I'm not but choosing it. It's get a, rid of it. It's a part of me. It's a part of how I've thought and functioned for years. Yeah. And I don't... It's a coping mechanism and I don't know how to live without it. And so... And um, you would love to change it. I would love to change it. I would love to not... I mean, I was doing everything I possibly could to follow God. And there was one point where he realized that that spiritual condemnation was actually not helping. It was... Um, it was actually taking the spiritual tools that were supposed to be helpful and they were they were poison for me in a sense. Bible reading, prayer, spiritual advice were, were triggers for me panicking. Because you thought you weren't doing it well enough? Um, well, it's, it's kind of complicated. It's because um, it wasn't a spiritual, it wasn't just a spiritual issue. Okay. Um, which is what we'll, we're, we're kind of getting to that. Yeah. Um, so there was one point where Matt said, you know what, you have to stop reading your Bible. You have to stop. I need you to step away and um, he says that he hates to say that to people and it's not something he would counsel people just to go right. around telling people to stop right. reading their Bible. Right. But, um, he said he was doing something similar to what John Piper has counseled. Um, there's a, I don't know if it's a, a blog post or something that he counseled that he suggests leaving the Bible for the sake of the Bible. And the key for this, for Piper was to do things to, to do things that don't undermine our cap- capacities to revel in what we find in the Bible. Huh. And I didn't have that capacity. So you couldn't revel in I, the truth. I couldn't revel in the truth. So uh, you felt so condemned by the things that you couldn't achieve. In yeah, the, you know, yeah. like the the holiness you couldn't achieve. Yeah, okay. yeah. In in a sense, um, and the problem with mental health is it's not just a spiritual issue. It's right. also a, a, and we'll talk about it further. How your body, we're holistic. Uh-huh. We're not right. And just that's spiritual. a lot of what is dissertation. It's a lot about. of his dissertation. And so the reason his, his dissertation stemmed out of this is because our journey through God really redeeming this time and, and helping me to have some victory in this um, is that we were met by God's grace both in common forms and in mm-hmm. special ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and we weren't treating OCD as if it were sin in a, of itself, but that it was a chronic bodily state that could be helped by learning to manage intrusive thoughts. Huh. So it needed a twofold, a two-pronged uh, approach. approach. And before the spiritual could, spiritual advice could even be helpful for me, we had to, in some ways, peel off some layers of things that were brought up by trauma. Huh. 
things that my body reacted because I didn't feel safe or ways uh -huh. of being. Um, ways that your brain has that, like formed itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so two questions bothered Matt at the end of this where okay. we saw um, just God really using those two forms of grace and giving us victory in many areas. First, what do you do when reading the Bible and prayers aren't working? Was it perhaps the wrong tool for the occasion? And were there perhaps other tools like the ones we stumbled on? Um, and second, how do I reconcile the two conflicting stories about what anxiety is? Anxiety as a sin and anxiety as a dysfunction. Hmm. To be very clear, I don't think these two stories need to be inconsistent, but I couldn't work out how to reconcile them at the time. And I'll kind of speed this up, but how do I reconcile these conflicting stories? And so, so anxiety as a sin, anxiety, anxiety as a dysfunction, bodily, bodily, bodily dysfunction, dysfunction. Okay, because we're body stories. and so, yep. Right. Um, so he, it seemed to discover two rival stories and in the help that we had at the time, even like pastoral and stuff, yeah. nobody really had the answer for these things. Um, so they just basically said shape up. Shape up and the Bible has the answers. Huh. And the more that I was in the Bible, the, the, the more, more tortured you, I was. Yeah, right. Because there was also something else going on. Um, the spiritual story tended to maximize blame by calling anxiety and belief. And the psychological story seemed to minimize blame by appealing to the body as the cause. Huh. And so those were um, the two major questions that were brought up for them. If it's a spiritual problem issue or a problem with your body, um, it can be somewhat dis disappointing or frustrating because the problem of saying anxiety can be boiled down to a lack of trust in God is that in a case like mine, I seem not to be able to will myself into trusting him more and into feeling better. Huh. I would memorize scripture. I would you saturate. You will yourself. I, I mean, you wanted to. I wanted to. I had every desire. Like, I was running to God with arms open wide, and I couldn't rid myself of this yeah. Yeah. illness that I, in a sense, had. And um, for a person facing this advice simply transfers our anxiety to the spiritual condition. How can it be possible that I'm regenerated and love God when I'm constantly sinning by worrying, but I seem to have no control over not doing that. Right. And so for someone who's stuck, this approach literally adds in insult to injury. Okay. Um, and is more crippling. So when you're going to, let's break that down, like if you're going to counseling and they're saying, hey, you just need to press into God more, you need to read your Bible more, you need to pray more, that actually was making you worse. It was making me worse because my OCD, my scrupulosity was actually linked to spiritual Things. issues yeah. because there was a wrong way of looking at it. Huh. And there and there's a lot of subconscious going on. Huh. Kids who are have trauma, there's there's ways that their body reacts without them even thinking about it and right. it also affects how they think. Huh. How they see the world. So he we were left at a problem with this because um we're suggesting both the spiritual and psychological stories by themselves don't capture the complexity of the anxiety. So how can we bring these two stories together? The story, we believe the stories are reconcilable by a deeper understanding of how emotion works, which helps us to see what goes on into the emotion that we experience. And this is what his dissertation was born out of. Okay. So All of, all of those All things. of this. My wow. story, um, the um, successes that we have, and right. um, some of the other questions later on I'll so give a, a little snippet. We had a vested interest in, like, kind of solving, not really yeah, solving, I mean, solving this problem. Yeah, yep. Because it, it was affecting his life. Yeah. And we were in a constituency that really didn't have um, support and help outside of the biblical mm. counseling perspective, yeah. which was left us They weren't lack. looking at the body as part mm, of they the They weren't looking at it at all. Equation. And it was very lacking. It, it didn't yeah. have, I mean, I had been using those tools my whole life. Yeah. And like, 
I mean, I should have gotten A plus in scripture no memory and yeah. Bible saturation, and I had no success. Huh. So, you, you know, you recognize that in yourself. Do you see, this is one of the questions I sent you, like, mm-hmm. can you see this, like, in any of your kids? Um, definitely. I a tendency? Um, a tendency, yes. I have, um, I can see it, and, you, and I see how you asked too, and other people, and honestly, um... Even the highest functioning individual, socially functioning, um, high achievers, can have OCD and you'll never know it. Um, A lot of the people that I have met that have OCD, I've had people bring to me to talk to because uh, um, of deciding to share my story. Um, It's almost like, for some people, it's a silent suffering. Um, And it's something that you only show to those who love you Right. Most, and that you feel um, a lot of times it, it for people at night checking and right. rechecking. Yeah, my sister and, had a little bit of that checking to make sure yeah. the stove was off, checking yep. to make sure she turned off the light, checking to make sure she turned off the curling iron. Those yeah, kind of things. yeah. And so some people like you'd be shocked. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, one of the famous stories is Howard Hughes, um, the air, airplane mogul, who his was like out there. Everybody, everybody saw it. He he wouldn't even send flowers to his friend who died because he was afraid that somehow the disease would travel back to him. Oh, wow. He would throw away his plates after having guests, his glass, because he just didn't feel like he could actually clean that. I mean, he just... Wow. Those are extremes, yeah. but a lot of, like, everyday people manage it well, but it, it's huh. eating away at them in right. some form. Right. Um, so... Very interesting. Yeah, and I'll, I'll talk more about it with, with you asked about parenting and then. So, yeah, yeah I've seen... I've seen the anxiety in one or two of my children that can, for me, I believe it was a long-standing anxiety, anxiousness because there was instability in my home, right? Right. Um, and it and it kind of ended up into OCD because okay. I desired control over the fear that I was having, right? That my world was not safe, right? I didn't feel like so you made were. a safe place. Yeah, I made a safe place through the mm-hmm. through the OCD. Mm-hmm. It's not how it always um, yeah. manifests itself, um, but so you can kind of see that if your kids are kind of. Uh, being anxious and maybe lead them mm-hmm. in a better way. Yeah. And you're providing a really safe, secure environment yeah. for them. Yeah. Yeah. So if I feel like um, you asked, um, how can you deal with this as a mom? Um, yeah. I believe parenting is a proactive way of preventing mental health issues. So first of all, being mar- being uh, having a good marriage yep. prevents yep. mental health. Um, and providing safe boundaries for mm-hmm. your children mm-hmm. while also not ruling with an iron fist. Mm-hmm. Um, those things are are very... Yeah, very good. Great. So um, we talked about, you know, you've seen maybe some how to proactively prevent mental mm-hmm. health problems, and you mm-hmm. talked about parenting and having a great marriage. Those are really fantastic. Um, so how have you seen, you know, you talked about kind of being freaked out by the whole scrupulosity thing and and not wanting to have spiritual disciplines because it really wasn't helping you but how have you seen god now as you've kind of traversed this and now you're back into your bible and back into praying how has god's grace been evident to you throughout this whole trial because you're i would say you're on a good trajectory yeah absolutely um to be honest and i can't say this is everyone's story but um uh um, just with the things that, that God has used in my life, I, again, I am not against God's word. I believe it's the authority in our lives. Um, mm-hmm. but I also believe that God speaks through very many other me, very mm-hmm. uh, other means, um, right. than just his word, although it is our, it's, it's very important. It's our authority. Um, but 
I realize that he talks, I'm using quotes here, he talks mm-hmm. in still small voices. Right. So, especially when the forces of this world is very la- really loud in your ears, and for me that was this anxiety that seemed to consume me. Uh-huh. Um, there are other things that he, he used to, other graces that he used at that time when the, when the Bible wasn't, when it was a terrifying thing to me. Yeah. Um, he spoke through nature, a quiet, peaceful walk in the woods. He mm-hmm. speaks through gifts, a warm, comforting yeah. cup of coffee, through community, a friend or a spouse um, who hugs tightly when we feel hurt and afraid. Um, and as I did today, even looking out the window at my girls this morning, just doing a tea party on the front lawn, uh-huh. um, even when I felt in turmoil about other things, I saw that as God is using me, even when I feel like I'm not sure even what's going on inside of me. Oh. Um, just he speaks through all those things. He's in those moments where I couldn't read my Bible. Worship music was really powerful. Um, certain Bible verses that were unique to me at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them were, was about lament, lamenting mm-hmm. suffering, because there are times in our life where we will go through suffering. God is still in control. He was. Right, he and was you still. Were, you were suffering. I was suffering, and He was still my God. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So God has kind of shown you that you can. He wants to be known, mm-hmm. and He'll show you Himself in other ways, mm-hmm. not just through His Word. Yeah. Although He does show. Yeah, us absolutely. Through his word, but through nature, through the yeah. you know kind of words of a friend. But we were also talking about laments because you you were. Um, you were struggling. I mean, it was, I was, it struggling. was a suffering. I was hurting, was and God suffering. and God was there. I never felt like He was. Um, even though, like, I, I doubted that security, but, like, I believe that God was for me and not against me. Mm-hmm. And Psalms are really important to me. I mean, there's times where David is, like, lamenting this. He talks about his bones waxing away. Right. And there were some days where I felt like I could imagine what <laughs> that felt like. Yeah. Um, and I wanted it to go away, and I didn't have the power to do it. And I don't ever remember feeling angry at God, but just so weak and just wanting him to fix it. And it had been years. I mean, there were years yeah, that I struggled you, with it. Yeah. But he like, was still there. He was right. He was still somebody I could cry out to. And I think that, I think lamenting and grieving suffering is important uh-huh. because God's still there in it. And we need to, it's good for us to it, speak uh, it. a biblical example, you know, like through the Psalms. Yeah. Through and lamentations doing, yeah. is all about, right. I mean, God did not intend for sin in this world. That is not uh-huh. something he chose, but he did choose free, free will for us. Um, I didn't, I didn't really kind of finish my story. I did, I do to this day, I, God has given me victory over OCD. Um, for me, I really feel like I was lacking in some very basic tools of how to deal with anxiety. Hmm. And because I didn't have those tools, Mm -hmm. I, I subbed OCD for that. And that's not everybody's, some people have OCD because of trauma. Okay. I was, I was loved by both parents. They didn't live in the same home. There were things that were broken in my life. Um, there was... So even in one of my daughters who I've seen really struggle with anxiety and which is like my worst nightmare is if my child children struggle with OCD, I had the opportunity of God to use me by giving her tools of what to do, teaching her what anxiety is right. and giving her tools and also saying, hey, not only is God over you, but I'm over you and your dad is over you and you have to be the kid and you get to be the kid. Yeah. And those are tools that my mom just didn't have the ability to give me. Right. And that she loved me and she wanted to, but our parents, our parents are not perfect people. 
Right. But you had the opportunity because you'd struggled with it to be able to recognize and say, hey, I can help you. Recognize and in the same it. Boat. Yeah. Because there are things that you can do to prevent or to help. I'm not saying. Um, and had I have had the option to go get professional help, I would have. That huh. would have been extremely helpful. Because um, you couldn't escape from your I couldn't. Kind of I couldn't escape from our little bubble, our little spiritual bubble and constituency. We didn't even yeah. know it was... It was a good option. Um, and really briefly, because I feel like this is important, I didn't get to it earlier. So my husband's um, dissertation is something that we that we learned through our process and coming on the back end. Um, something that was extremely painful for me that I begged God to take away. It's been really powerful to see how God has used it to help other people, even if not just through me, through my husband. Yeah. Um, through his studying and our, my experience, we learned that... Um, it's about emotional experience and about the role the body plays in them. A lot right. of mental health issues, OCD. Um, so embodiment, we need to see our bodies and souls holistically. They do not interact, but our souls are responsible for all of our uh, conscious life. We need to pay attention to how our nervous system makes life hard for some people. Huh. For example, trauma, abuse, right, right. things that are broken in right. their lives right. are our psychology is tiered. So our conscious, conscious psychological processes are different than our unconscious ones. And our unconscious processes are mostly responsible for emotion. Our emotion doesn't just come from our thinking, but the way that our body interacts with the world. And huh. that's why it's not, right, not just right, spiritual just, fixes it. Yeah. But there's also very physical things that right. ought to be done. Right. Yeah. I've learned so much from Matt about that sort of thing. Yeah. So then that's in a nutshell. But, um, I would counsel people. Um, yeah, what would you say to like a woman listening and saying, um, uh, "Hey, I'm really struggling with the same sort of thing." Go play. Um, I'll come help you. So yeah, give me, give me one piece of advice. Let's say a woman's listening to this, saying, "Hey, I recognize some of those things in myself. Like, what should I do?" Mm-hmm. Um, I'd suggest two things. Um, first of all, community is really important. Huh. Um, the people that you trust that you can share it with, um, and ask them to pray and care for you. That's really important because it's a, it's a, we always talk about mental health being a community problem, um, and a community fix. And so you really do, you need those people who can, Uh they can't fix it for you, but they can love you. They can hug you. They can bring you a meal. Yeah. They can bring you a meal when you can't just get, you just can't get through the day because you're so anxious. Mm -hmm. But I do, um, really would, would counsel that. If this is a, a thing that you can't manage on your own and it's not getting better, go get help. Because mm. there is, there are so many great resources out there that had I had known and had I had had access to them. Um, yeah, we were newly married. And um, while God redeemed our story, yeah. it was really stressful on the right, two of us. Right. Um, and God, you know, God used it and God, we, we survived it. But there are people who have gone into this as a, calling because they feel God's called them, God, they're equipped. They're, there are really good tools out there. Hmm. and um, So basically, go get Go get help. I know that our church here, Cornerstone, um, have counseling pastors that yeah. can also um, refer you to people who are uh, licensed in even specific things, anorexia, OC- uh-huh. OCD, anxiety, um, eating disorders. Right. Um, so God has provided so many tools for us. Right. Um, Right, so don't struggle alone. Don't, is what you're don't struggle alone. Don't, yeah. I mean, t- tell people that you know are safe to, yeah. to pray and care for you, and right. also talk to a pastor. And, and if 
um, you need more than pastoral counsel. There yeah. are people qualified yeah. to help yeah. in these areas. That's great. Well, thanks for coming, Molly, today. And we uh, kind of had to navigate around kids and dogs and wind and bugs. And so thanks for coming and talking to us. And um, are there any books or anything that we could link to the end of the podcast or if you think of anything? Uh, yeah, there are a bunch. Um. Well, maybe we could just yeah, put why don't, links yeah, why don't we do um, that? you think of that. Yeah. Yep, so, sounds okay. great. Thank you. All right, thanks, Tori. Sometimes when I want to make a new friend, I'll say, come walk with me. So thanks for joining us today on this walking and talking journey as we walk together and strive to keep in step with Jesus.